Good everyone and welcome back to the Extras. My name is Jack. And I'm Raj. Great to be here everyone on a rainy day. Well, yeah, we are coming to you in the middle of a, a deluge week that it's been, hasn't it? There's been all sorts of challenges and highways closed and yeah, it's been, yeah, how, how have you found it so far in the, the wet ranch? Well, look, okay, we, um, uh, as some are aware, we had a staff conference for three days up on the central coast, so it's been a big week. But I also think, Jack, as we begin, it's it's Friday here today, just worth acknowledging mm. in the last day or two is is when the Russian um, invasion of Ukraine happens. Yeah. Um, which is very sad, you know, mm. and there's stories already coming of loss of life, of suffering, of uncertainty, and... I think it's just worth acknowledging as we begin. Absolutely, yeah. And some of you might have seen on Facebook that we, we put out some suggestions of things that we can be praying. It would be great for us to be praying for uh, for the people of Ukraine and for our brothers and sisters in Christ there too. There's some serious and genuine needs there and to be praying for God to bring peace. Uh, great things for us all to be, be doing. We are here for the questions that came in last Sunday. Uh, it's, it's been a while since Sunday. Normally we record on Wednesday, so I think even for us, uh, Raj, it's been a little while it since has. Uh, we... Yeah. We're thinking about these things, but uh, to help, maybe, you know, normally we say to help remind anyone who's reminding. I think I need reminding, so yeah, let's uh, have a, a bit of a hear about what we were thinking about last Sunday at sure. church. Well, look, you and I both preached on Sunday, Jack. You were at North Rocks and I was at Carlingford. Um, but look, the basic idea was we're continuing in Vision Month, and the, the, the issue we came to was being rich toward God. Mm-hmm. And I think at least what I tried to do was start off with an illustration I hope we could all grapple with that is the conduit and the reservoir yeah and and then look at the bible and in particular 1 timothy 6 which has warnings to the rich it has that statement which is relatively well known about the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil and um um yeah you know it goes on in 1 timothy 6 the antidote there is be be generous and willing to share and there's lots of ways we see this principle in the Bible. Jesus talks about the same thing. Matthew 6, we looked at briefly, yeah. about investing treasures in heaven rather than this world. And and so that, back to that illustration, it was really, don't be, a, don't be a reservoir storing up for yourself, but be a conduit bringing blessings of God to this world. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic summary. And what a, a wonderful topic for us to think about, you know, thinking about how God has entrusted us with wealth for us to be generous and to see good happen come out of that i think it's a really wonderful positive thing for us to be able to think about together and we've had stacks of questions come in which is very encouraging as well many people who i can tell from the questions are really keen to get on board with this vision and to be generous and they're thinking about how do you actually work it out in the nuts and bolts of budgeting and spending so some great questions some some pastoral wisdom requires we get into it today so we're really excited to bring this to you. To start with, we will talk a couple of big picture questions about this part of the Bible and, and this kind of issue in the Bible. Uh, we'll start with this one. Uh, in Sunday's sermon, we saw that by placing our treasure in heaven rather than money on earth, our heart will also go there and be with the things above. Other parts of the Bible say that God loves a generous giver. So how can we cultivate a desire to give generously rather than give begrudgingly? Yeah, I, I um, tried on Sunday, I think, Jack, to outline my understanding of how the Bible brings these things together. Mm. So, God certainly loves a generous giver. Yeah. And and it's founded on the generosity that Christ has shown us in 2 Corinthians 8, um, many other places. And yet, we live in a sinful world, our hearts are impacted by sin. So the mm. question becomes, how do you train your heart to, yeah. to grow in generosity? And... Um, 
I, I want to say to people who, and I get this, I've been here myself and I still live in the world, I still have all of the same wrestles everyone else does. Um, I wouldn't say that I give begrudgingly. I do, I do think that I, that I give in a way where I'm cognizant of the cost. Yeah. And, and that's a good thing. Mm. You know, I, I, I do know someone actually who said to me, they have refused to set up automatic forms of giving you know, the monthly direct debit coming out of their account because they want to train their heart every month to do it, still electronically, yeah. but do it manually so that they feel something of the cost and the yeah. sacrifice and what they're giving to Wow, them. yeah. I can see the, the value. So I, I understand that. I, I fear that for many of us, you know, I have no idea how much cash I've got in my wallet now. Probably <laughs> the answer is none. Yeah. So I just fear that I, w- I would forget. But... Mm. Um, so I just, I just think, you know, Jesus' words about where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There's a, there's a, there's a bit of a corrective here. I fear if we define giving begrudgingly, therefore don't give. And if we define that with any hint of reluctance, mm. I just think we won't be generous and share, which other parts of the Bible tell us to do. Yeah. So I do think there's a... Now, I think there are some people, and but I do think this is an extreme of people who probably shouldn't give because of where their heart's up to. Mm. But I'm reluctant to say that because I think there's so much in the Bible. You know, that, that's, that's a statement I've now made that's easy to grab, to grab onto. Raj said... Yeah, it must be me. I'm, I'm sure know, I'm one of those people. Yeah, yeah <laughs> and, and so I do just think, how do you train yourself to be generous is the question. Mm. And I think... What I tried to say, picking up from the warnings, but also Jesus' words, the Randy Alcorn principle, um, quite provocative. Um, giving is the only antidote to materialism, I think, is another of his principles. Yeah. So start somewhere and mm. allow yourself to experience the joy of seeing God at work. Yeah. yeah. I think that's really helpful, and particularly that key insight that I think our hearts need to be trained in this. It's naive to think that we just wake up one day suddenly just wanting to be generous, but uh, we may deep down want to be generous and yet also be struggling with this war against the flesh of wanting to hold on to everything for ourselves and how to break that. Like, as you said, the cure for that is generosity, I think. So yeah. getting started, building those muscles of giving, I think, is the way to get to the point that God wants us to be of being cheerful givers. I think that's that's a pathway. It's not an overnight thing. Yeah. But well said. Very helpful. Uh, well, we'll keep moving on. Uh, someone else has asked, uh, what is a great question? And Raj, as we've talked, this is a question we really hoped would come up, so we're, we're very glad to get to talk about it now. Someone's asked, in giving, we are told not to let our left hand know what our right hand is doing and not to be like the Pharisees. As a consequence, traditionally, tree was given in unmarked envelopes, anonymously. How does that idea fit in with what we at St. Paul's are asking people to do in terms of giving a, a pledge and indicating giving for the year ahead? Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Um, great question. And as you said, we very much were hoping this one would come in. We're pretty confident it wouldn't. It has. And I just encourage listeners to turn up to Matthew chapter 6, where um, this is taken from. It's a couple of verses. And Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honoured by the by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. 
then your Father, who sees what he's done in secret, will reward you. And the issue that's going on here, both verse 1, uh, it's introduced to us, that the motivation and attitude of people, like the Pharisees in many other regards, mm. is to be seen. Yeah. And to be honoured because they're seen in, in, in this case in giving, but in other cases in other things. Um, and it's picked up again in verse 2, you know, the reason to be honoured by others. Yeah. That's the motivation that here is being uh, spoken of. Now, in our world today, this kind of thing does happen. Mm. You know, particularly in some cultures, American culture, for example, you give and there's a big plaque and there's different levels. and There's a leaderboard, you know, you know you're racing a, to climb the ladder. Yeah, you, you go to universities and other institutions and there's a big kind of, you know, recognition. Mm. Now, different people have different motivations. Yeah. And for some, it's that's a consequential thing, but for, but for others, that is the reason they're doing it, <clears throat> um, to have their name up on the on the board. Mm. Now, my feeling is in Australia, these issues are far less. Our culture is quite very different. You know, there's a whole secrecy and privacy. In fact, giving in America works quite differently. Pretty much churches in America, um, um, there's full disclosure about what everyone gives. Yeah, wow. Because in America, uh, giving to churches is tax deductible. Mm. There's a question about that later on we'll come to. Yeah. So it just, I think it's worth us just reflecting on Australian society and 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 our own hearts, if the motivation to give is to be seen and announced the trumpets, the kind of thing here, well, these are the words that apply. Yeah. You know, don't do that. Mm. Um, now, to try to help us in that regard, the process we've set up here, so page 26, Vision Books, we talk, we'll talk about it a little bit, but let me just expand on that. Yeah. Um, we have, we're going to process this in ways that, very much like the, the way that the, the building a, a few years back at St Paul's was done, where there's a few people in the office, in the ministry support team, who need to process that and so on and so on. Yeah, people who handle the data and handle the forms. Handle the data, you know, look at the, the money, work out, calculate for us where we're, how we're going, where we're up to. Yeah. But if I can pick up on the phrase Chinese wall, <laughs> that is, that, that, num- that, that information of name and how much someone is giving is, is not going beyond those who need to know yeah. in that way. Um, now, I think I said on where this came up on Sunday, I would love to just help people in this process of because it's training our hearts. Mm. So I would, I would like to write to people on a semi-regular basis and just share some of the stories that have happened so that you can experience the joy. Yeah. Now, but I can do that just, just with a list of names. I don't need to know the amounts or anything like that yeah. that's, that's going on. And it's worth um, saying, and for us as pastors, like, we really don't want to know that. Like, I, I never want to be in a situation where... You know, someone's coming up to me after church with a question, and now I'm thinking, oh, like this person's like an A-level donor. To church, <laughs> so I really better drop whatever else I was doing to make. This. You know, I don't, I don't want to be in that position. And I take it that you, as the people at church, don't want us to be in that position. I, like, I don't think that's helpful for anyone. For yeah. Uh, so I'm very eager not to know, and that's how we're we're setting it up. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we talked about two things around this question. So one is just, you know, I think getting into an exegesis of Matthew six verses mm. one to four. And, and just the core issue here being the motivation is to be seen. Yeah. And if, if that's the case, if our motive is to be seen, we need to, you know, think deeply about that. Mm. Uh, but I suspect for most of us, that's not our motivation. Yeah. Um, so, and then we've talked about the other things of, nonetheless, still, we're doing things in a way that is trying to help us all, not even 
be tempted in this area. Yeah. If I could add to that one thing, and it may be that you, you listen to that and still feel a conscience, conscience issue, but, you know, Jesus' words, you know, you're giving maybe in secret, like, surely that means it's not okay to ever tell anyone what you're giving, even just those few people. I think I'd want to suggest that if you think that that's what Jesus is saying in Matthew 6, you'd also never be able to pray with other people. Because Jesus goes on to say, the next part of that chapter, he goes on and says, don't pray like the hypocrites who are there on the street corners, like, yelling out their prayers so people will see them. Instead, go into your room and close the door and pray to your Father in, in secret. Jesus says that, and yet we also know that the rest of the New Testament shows the early church praying together and, you know, praying so that someone else hears your prayers is a much a part of the life of church. So I don't think Jesus is saying, you can only ever pray in secret, no one should know. He's addressing this hard issue you pointed out, the issue is hypocrisy of wanting to be seen. Yeah. So in the same way, I think it's, it's good and right and possibly more helpful than we give it credit for, for a few people to, to, to know what you give. And if you'd be able to talk about it, I think particularly for us as Christians in a world, in a, a culture that's so private about this, many people would never have the experience of talking to other Christians saying, hey, like, these are the questions I'm wrestling with. I want to be generous. You know, here's what I'm giving. Just want to hear what do you think? Like, do you think I should be more generous? Do you think I need to think more about my family and my responsibilities to them? Like, I think to be able to have a bit more of a kind of a discipleship conversation about this thing would be really helpful. I don't think it's meant to be an entirely secret thing. But the issue is, are you doing this because you want to be seen? Yeah. And I, I, so there's so much we could say about these. We've got lots mm. of questions, but yeah, I, I do know in another context, um, a, a few people have said to me, just what you've said, having an environment where you can talk openly about this actually has been very helpful to process mm. and you know, allow God also to use that mechanism to challenge and reflect and grow. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. Those couple of questions were sort of bigger picture issues. We wanted to spend a good amount of time with those. We'll get into more of the nitty gritty now and, and try and pick up the pace a bit. So... If we are constantly being bombarded with messages that tell us to put our hope in wealth, how can we train our hearts to put our hope in God instead? Yeah, I think, and I think, you know, 1 Timothy 6, uh, it's fascinating. It's actually written from Paul to Timothy, and, and Paul is saying to Timothy, command the rich. Mm. There are words there written to people like us, Jack, and church leaders and other people. Um, and and one of the things we need to keep doing is put these issues on one another's agenda. Yeah. And many find these hard, things hard to talk about, but but part of our responsibility to help people grow in discipleship is to be talking and um, um, you know six to ten thousand messages per day, mm. which all are talking about the reservoir approach to wealth, as I call it. Yeah. Um, but we need to be, immerse ourselves in God's word and to allow that to have an impact that's pushing us in the other direction. Yeah. And um, I could sense on Sunday, and you're at North Rock, you've said the same thing, there just was, it's hard to articulate, but people were really interested in this, I could see a few people struggling with this, mm. and so on and so on, and, and as I teach about it, I struggle with it too. Yeah. But we need to help one another. Mm. So I think that's that's one thing to, you know, provide a corrective to the bombarding of messages in one direction with the teaching in the Bible, which is pushing us in another direction. Um, and then part two is just what I talked about. Start by, and you might have other things to add, Jack, but, but start by just, I think it'll be great in this process if if that helped people to get over the line and start somewhere. Yeah. And people say, you know, where do you start, how much, and I think at one congregation I said, you know, start with your mobile phone plan, whatever that might be. Um, now that can be unhelpful, right? Because is that really the bar of where we want our generosity to be? Yeah, like I'm on the cheapest phone plan you can get. Mine's like $20 a month. Like I think I 
That was my starting point of generosity. I think I had a long way to go. But yeah. other people will be in different places. Yeah, mm. yeah. So, um, yeah, anyway. So, start, <laughs> like other people said, said to me during the week, another way to think of where to start is how much do you spend on takeaway food or takeaway coffee or not, not to say do the equivalent, but just to reflect on your use of the money the Lord has entrusted to you more generally. Yeah. Yeah, helpful thoughts there. The only other thing to add, I think it's all great. I mean, the other question is, do we have to be bombarded with as many messages as we are? I think that, I mean, the stats on our culture and how much time people spend in front of TVs and other screens, which is where the messages come, like, you could cut that 6,000 down considerably if you rerouted some of that time. I think that's worth asking the question about as well. It's worth thinking about. Mm. And, yeah, just the, the general, not just on money, but we think about attitudes to you know, sex and a whole bunch of other things and we're so influenced by language and we're so influenced by what we see. Yeah. Uh, we need to be careful. The, you know, the um, monks, they, for centuries, have had an approach to withdraw themselves from the world entirely so as not to be influenced. Yeah. I think the Bible talks about being in the world but not of the world. Yeah. Whatever that, what that might look like. Yeah, helpful. Let's keep going. Um... Big question here. Someone's asked, can I still be a Christian if I'm not giving? Yeah, this one came up in one of the congregations, was really thankful that it actually came up. I think it's really pushing us into some of the nitty-gritty. Mm. And um, we need to be very clear and continually because our hearts kept drifting into legalism and salvation by works. We need to be clear we're saved by Jesus' death on the cross. Mm. Everywhere in the Bible, that's that's the foundation. Um not by works, you know, Romans 3, Ephesians 2, like just, just so many places, the whole substitutionary atonement of, of in the Gospels with exchange yeah. for Kilke Barabbas and so on and so on. So we need to be so clear about that. Mm. We also need to be clear on the impact that turning to Jesus makes, you know, in our draft mission statement, captivated by Jesus as our saving Lord. Yeah. He now becomes our Lord. And, and we could just talk... Um, about the impact that the gospel makes, which begins a life of transformation mm-hmm. in all kinds of ways. You know, Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit. It, it, it talks about love, joy, peace, patience, all, all of these ways. And generosity is one of these things, yeah. which is highlighted for us in 2 Corinthians 8. And it doesn't just say be generous, it says excel mm-hmm. in the grace of generosity. Yeah. And, and so there's a growing process. So I would want I would want to start with Jesus' death on the cross in the in many areas, including giving and generosity. Our generosity is modelled on Christ's generosity toward us, um, and in this world impacted by sin as it is, we just we are going to be impacted by sin. You and I have a struggle in terms of sharing and giving. Yeah. But we're putting in place things to help us grow. Yeah. Sure. I think to add to that, I think it's important to say that the Bible gives us some really significant warnings about how we live. Like, it's not like being saved by grace means that how you live doesn't matter. We know that's not the case. Um, you know, Jesus said it's easier for the camel to go through the eye of an eel than for a rich person to be saved. Like, he said all sorts of things where he highlighted particularly the significance of wealth being something that can stop people from entering the kingdom. Like, that doesn't mean that rich people can't be saved because they going you know, disciples go on to say, who can be saved? And Jesus says, well, it's impossible with man, but it's possible with God. But we, we'd be fools not to listen to Jesus' warning about wealth in that point. I know I think of, you know, 1 Timothy 5, um, Paul says, anyone who does not provide for their relatives, and especially for their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. 
And that's not talking about, you know, giving necessarily, like per se, that's talking about, you know, providing for your family. But there's a direct link between what you do with your resources and your salvation. Like Paul says, like, that's starkly. Like, what we yeah. do with our money matters. And yeah. so if we're not giving, we've got to think about, do we really get what God has done for us and get the yeah. generosity that God's shown us in yeah. Christ? Like, there are big questions there. And I don't know why, Jack, it just popped into my head. Just, I, I just, I know several very wealthy Christians um, and they give, some I know give extraordinarily gen- generously, mm. even though from the outside it looks like, look at all that they have. Mm. And, and those I know don't parade it around. It's, it's like the Matthew 6 kind of idea. Yeah. Um, and I, I think I just want to say, because you might look at someone who looks wealthy, um, you know, I think I, I just know the causes that are funded by the gospel mm. through those mechanisms and just some of it's quite mind-blowing. Yeah. I, I can't share it with you because... Because <laughs> people want it to be secret, yeah. That's they want enough. it to be secret and stuff mm. like that. But, but the number of initiatives over the years I know that go on with people having the conjured approach to wealth. Yeah. Is really quite extraordinary. Absolutely, yeah. Well, let's keep going. Someone's asked, should giving be based exclusively on a percentage of our income? Well, sorry, Jack, you preached on this passage too, so... Yeah, I, I'm, yeah. I'm getting to just fire them all at you, aren't I? Yeah, it's great. But <laughs> what do you think on this one? Yeah, uh, I mean, it's interesting that that's the thing we bring to it. I mean, the Bible has something to say about the percentage of income. I mean, that starts in the Old Testament and is basically... Uh, primarily associated with the Old Testament, the tithe in the Old Testament that people would give a tenth of their their crops and their wealth to support the the ministry of the temple, particularly um, the poor as well. Uh, so you see there, I think the the significance of um, having a yeah a, a significant portion of what you give. Uh, I think that that's like a helpful start. Um, as Christians, we're not bound by the law to give ten percent or anything like that. Um, like, I, I think that 10% is not a bad start. Like, at least if you're going to start a discussion somewhere, I mean, I'd kind of rather rather start with your phone plan. Like, you know, put the 10% figure on the table and start to think about that. Like, maybe in some situations that won't be feasible, but at least that's a starting point. In some cases, you know, far more than that would be um, what you should be thinking about giving just based on your context and your resources and your, um, what you need. There's a, there's a verse I'm sorry, while I'm talking, I'm also flicking around to... 2 Corinthians 9, because I think there's a, a verse in there that I think is quite helpful. While I find out, um, anything you want to add, Raj? Um, yeah, so, yeah, I, I agree, Jack. In the Old Testament, that's where the tithe was talked about. It's actually quite interesting, and some people talked about this on the weekend. The, in the Old Testament, there wasn't one tithe. In fact, there were three. There were three tithes, yeah. And, you know, two of those were annual. One was every three years. It actually works out to 23%. Now, Jesus, he, in, in my view, and not everyone agrees on this, um, but my view is Jesus shifts the rationale from the tithing principle to one of generosity, mm. which we see in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 and, and, and 1 Timothy 6, other places. Now, it's, it's just, I find it quite intriguing. I, I don't think Jesus came along and said, okay, let's replace tithes with generosity with the intent that that means going backwards. Yeah. Yeah, helpful. And so I, I think it can be unhelpful to look at percentage of income. Um, and that, hence the question I put the other day, and, and I'm not sure what your iteration of the question was, but 
I just would love people to have a discussion in their head and their heart and with their family. What does generosity look like for our family? Mm. Yeah, and for some, it may be let's start with the ten percent. Let's start somewhere else, but you know, for others, it's going to be it's going to be a different discussion. Yeah, for sure. the Lord has given us much. Yeah, that's yeah. right. The verse I have in mind, one Corinthians sixteen, Paul's talking about the collection, which is the issue in two Corinthians nine as well. Um, one Corinthians sixteen. Now about the collection for the Lord's people. Do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up, so that when I have, when I come, no collection will have to be made. Um, so Paul's talking about he's he's asking them to go through this process of regularly setting aside part of uh, their money, which is in keeping with their income. So there's some kind of recognition that different people are going to be in different places. There, he doesn't give a percentage, but I think there you see that there's a recognition that. There's this intentional, regular process, um, keeping in mind how much we earn as part of the picture as we think about yeah. what it means to be generous. Yeah, which you know is about the capability of the position. Yeah. But and again, there's a grid that's building up here. There's all kinds of biblical data, but um, and, and I just say that because it can be easy in our hearts, which are impacted by sin, to think I have all of these needs. Yeah. And I think I used John Piper quote. Um, that just talked about, you know, the impact of these messages, the barrage of messages we get, we redefine wants to be needs. Mm. So we just need to be careful. Totally, yeah. yeah. Lots said there. That's probably enough for now, but there's more you could say, isn't there? Yeah, let's keep going. What are your thoughts on being generous with our money towards our children and other family members? Does spending money on them fall into the category of storing up treasures in this world? Uh, great question. So you, Jack, in fact, just a moment ago were talking about you know this, uh, and there is an obligation, I think, on family to look after family. Mm. So, but the question's a good one. Um, I think I want to say, putting money into children and family can represent storing up treasures in this world. Yeah, how do you mean? What would that look like? Well, you know, if. If you take a wealthy family and the and and parents are putting children into children, you know, building up their own wealth mm. in extraordinary ways. I'm talking about extreme. I just want to pick on the extreme to make the point. Yeah. But the Packer family, the Reinhardt family, the you know, etc. etc. Um, now putting aside the family politics, but anyway, but that can be storing up wealth in this world and positioning. Children, Ecclesiastes, talk, I think Ecclesiastes five, I think, talks about just this dynamic of accumulating and accumulating, and accumulating, and then mm. giving it to your children so it'll pass on and stay in the family. And that can be storing up wealth. Yeah. But on the other hand, you know, we, we think about Acts six. We were looking at the other day, just widows who, who just can't live, mm. looking after widows in a church community or family. Yeah. Um, who are very much up the other end of the scale. That's not storing up treasures in this world mm. that's fulfilling a biblical obligation yeah um, and I think a moral obligation which is you know with our family so there's a spectrum and, and that can be difficult to work out living as I said the other day you know in one of the wealthiest cities in one of the wealthiest countries in the wealthiest parts of the world yeah so yeah. do you want to add to that? I think that there's so many things that go on in our hearts in this because it's, it's family and I guess particularly if you think about your children like there's, there's so much wrapped up in that and it's hard to speak to it quickly um, I think the desire to want to bless your children and 
do good to them and use money to do that is a good one. Like, that's a good thing. Um, I think that, like, reckless, uh, you know, not thought through kind of lavishing money upon children can be unhelpful if it means that kids don't learn how money works and don't learn the value of hard work and working for themselves. Like, yeah, I guess spoiling children is kind of the catch-all term we use for that, but at the biggest level, like, if, you know... Um, if kids never have to work and never understand the value of, of that, I think that can be problematic because you're, you're robbing your children of the, the chance to think about wealth and work and value for themselves. Yep. So there's so much to think about in that, but I think the desire to do good to your children is a good one. Um, but you want to think about how do you set them up to learn about money and to be generous with it in God's world when they have the power to make those yeah. decisions too. Yeah. Yeah. Man, each of these you could do a whole episode on just on its own, isn't there? Yeah. They're great questions. They really are, yeah. We're really grateful for all of these. Um, next one. How can Christians approach investing and growing their wealth? For example, buying an investment property. Um, like Matthew 6, I think so much comes back to the attitude of the heart. Mm. And there is, a, there is a balance and a, maybe a fine line is a better way to put it to search your heart about what you're trying to you know, do. Um, I don't think the Bible is against growing wealth. Yeah. You know, if you, particularly if you have an attitude that God has enabled that to happen so that you can then be his conduit mm. in the world. And I know lots of people who operate exactly like that. It's a great blessing um, to lots and lots of different ministries around the place. Yeah. Um, and that is... You know, in no small part, the Lord has given them the skills to function in that in that way for that purpose. Um, but as I think I just said a moment ago, in enough question, you can also have a different approach. Yeah. But I I think it's just worth reflecting on and challenging and um, the way property prices are in this country at the moment, and Sydney in particular, this part, you know, Carlingford, North Rocks, it can be a real, real trap. Mm to commit yourself and now talk of interest rates increasing at some point they will have to yeah um, so what is the lifestyle you're committing yourself to mm. I think is worth reflecting on yeah I think it's important to say that like investing in and of itself like it's not like that's a bad evil thing and like if anyone thinks that, well, that's what Christians think I think we need to say far be it from us I mean when you think about investing it's more than just investing my wealth for a return for me like part of the story of investing is you are using wealth to do good in society and in the world and in the economy. I mean, for, I mean, just like investment properties, like it's great that there are people who have investment properties because I mean, people like me who rent have a place to rent. Like, you know, we need more places for people to rent for people who are not yet in the position to buy their own house, that kind of thing. Like that's, that's a good thing for the wider culture, right? Um, you think about, you know, investing in the, um, in the stock market, whatever else it is, like you're using your capital to enable other people to do their work and to do good things in pursuit of human flourishing. So, like, there's good to come of using our wealth to enable, like, the good work of the world to keep going. That's part of the story, too. So, like, how can Christians approach investing? I think part of that is thinking about how, like, what do you want your wealth to do? Like, you know, what you choose to invest in is significant, I think. You can invest in, you know, corporations that are doing good and corporations that are doing evil. And thinking well about that, I think, is important. Like, it's, it's not just about what you get out of it and if that's what you think about I think that is problematic but thinking about how you're using what God has given you to do good in the world that's more than just generosity like how you invest I think is part of that picture too yeah yeah again what's more you could say keep going 
Next question. How do we save for, say, a house deposit or a car or plan for retirement without storing up treasure on Earth? Is saving inherently that kind of storing up thing, I guess? Yeah, I, I would say no. Um, so, the hard, of course, it can be. Mm. Um, I think one diagnostic question you could ask is, as you're saving up for a car or for retirement, at the same time, are you being generous? Yeah. And I, I remember now, a long time ago, Jack, I'm not sure if you were born, you probably were, <laughs> um, but being in a seminar, I was working at a different church at the time, being in a seminar, and we were, it was for younger people who were just starting work, and this topic came up of, mm. you know, saving for cars and houses and other things. And someone jumped up and said, look, you know, is it okay for me to take these few years now that I have an income to position myself to be generous in the future. Mm-hmm. Now, a relatively wealthy person asked me if they could just sit in on this seminar, and they did. Mm-hmm. Until this question came. Right. <laughs> and they jumped up and said, i never forget it, they said, everyone, I just want to say, if you're not being generous with the little that God's given you, what makes you think that you're going to be generous with the much that God might give you? Mm. And I, I think there's a diagnostic question one could ask. As you're saving up for these things, yeah, um, is it diverting? Is it... Yeah, there's, there's a question. Yeah, and so practically, I mean, one of the things is that saving takes a little longer. Like, I think the worldly wisdom out there is just save as much as you can so you can get in the market as soon as possible. Yeah. I think a world like a godly approach is, I think might be like yes saving can still be wise but I don't have to save at the expense of giving something away. Like I remember I can't remember I was talking to someone once who was talking about how they went to a like a secular financial planner with their finances and the first thing the financial planner says well look at your budget like look, look at all this money you're giving to church like let's strike that out that's the easy win for you to start being able to save more money and they said well no we're not going to do that because that's what we're committed to. So yeah. the result of that is yeah maybe saving the deposit takes longer. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. And you know on that, Jack, I've noticed, I, I, I did a course in America a number of years ago now on this very topic, and I was just fascinated that the American church scene, it was far more bread and butter to help people in the very area of budgeting. Mm. How do you save? Yeah. Um, and how do you simultaneously give? And how do you plan for the long term? And I, I don't know what we can do about it, and we don't have the resources at the moment to do much about it, but it is just worth thinking about that, that whole issue of budgeting. Yeah. I mean, last year we were, we, we were doing a bit of this, uh, this thing in what we called Wednesday training. We had some people here on Wednesday afternoon thinking about how to use your finances in a godly way. We ran a course on that, and that's the kind of thing we'd love to... You know, if you're interested in that, please let us know. We'd love to think about how we can keep helping people think about that because we don't want to just think about... Um, money naively like we want to be wise we want to grow in um, shrewdness as you know Luke 16 says about using the worldly wealth God has given us in a way that's smart and wise because yeah that's how we make the most of it and do the most good we can with it I think it's not just about being generous that's important but being wise with it is is important too yeah all right someone's asked I find it hard to give away material possessions such as clothes or furniture in Sydney because everyone has too much stuff is it possible that financial generosity could take the form of working less and therefore earning less in order to spend time serving and building relationships with isolated and neglected people in society? Well, what would you say to that, Jack? 
think that's a fascinating question. Yeah, I think that I, I resonate. You know, it can be hard to give things away. I, I've, after lockdown, I went to Vinnie's and did a, you know we did a big clear out and went over there and they're just they're just drowning in stuff. Like so many people keen to give all this stuff away, which is great at one level, but yeah, it's I think it's a sign of the fact that we have so much and consume so much and throw away so much. Like, I mean, this is an aside, but I think in some ways one way to think about that is being countercultural in using stuff longer and repairing stuff even if it's more expensive than buying new stuff because otherwise you're just adding to this consumption problem anyway um it's a great question yeah i mean in a sense it, if you're deciding to work less and therefore earn less in order to spend more time serving wonderful how good is that like i think it's important to think that money does wonderful things in the kingdom of god but money alone isn't going to be enough to see neglected people loved and the gospel preached because people need to do those things so some of us need to be committed to using our time to fulfilling those needs and giving up income to do more of that. I think is a wonderful, good, beautiful thing. So I commend that too. I don't think we're all obliged to do that, but I think if some of us do that, that's a great thing. We're, we're really excited at the moment. We're thinking at church about some people who are doing exactly this and coming and talking to us at church and saying, hey, I've, I've taken a couple of days at work. I'm just really keen to give myself to the work of the kingdom. Like, please use me. Like, what can I do? And to have those kinds of conversations happening, that's just wonderful. How good is that? Yeah. For, for me, my just reaction, just processing, as you're talking, Jack, my reaction is, I, I, years ago now, someone said to me, um, Raj, my way of giving is to give time mm. rather than money. And so I've had a few years to think about that now. Yeah, what did you think? The time. I, I think for me the issue would be in the Bible, like the Bible doesn't try to say, but the Bible doesn't position those as alternatives. Yeah. You know, there's gifts that people are given, the body of Christ, we've talked about that in recent weeks and months, and also generosity and also, so, mm. now this question is not necessarily, you know, saying either or. Yeah. I think this is a great thing. Mm. I think I just want to encourage us, you know, both and. Yeah. Yes. Nice. Yeah. Important. Very good. All right, we're on the back page of our set of questions now. We're getting there. Someone says, uh, acknowledging this is a dif- difficult topic, uh, it's also true that this church has been able to grow because of the giving of its members. If we don't have people who can give, we can't grow. We can't build buildings. Uh, we have the budget listed every week in the outline that we hand out. We have to be careful that we as a church don't focus on becoming a rich church. Three exclamation marks. <laughs> and I want to say amen to that. Amen. And And... So you take that reservoir conduit principle, exactly the same thing. If we are just accumulating and accumulating and accumulating, if we are insular and it's about us, um, that's a problem. Yeah. So the idea that St. Paul's has for many years and continues to be, we are a conduit to bring God's blessings to the world. Yeah. And the resource base we have, which I, I actually think there's a richer resource base in terms of people. Mm. And the buildings and facilities are secondary. Yeah. Um, but nonetheless, they do work together. Um, and we just need to keep on doing that. If if we measure how we're going as a church on the basis of our, you know, net assets, so to speak, mm. that's a problem. Yeah, yeah. The building's not a bad example. We built that building not to rest on our laurels and not to be comfortable. We built that building so that more people could be a part of our church because we want to see more people in our community reach with the gospel. So continuing to look outwards is so crucial. We don't want to just rest on our laurels. Yeah, it's all about seeing people saved. All right, next one. Uh, someone's asked a couple of really good kind of practical questions about the, the pledging system, I guess, how it's going to work. Um, I'll just rattle these off. 
maybe you can just answer quickly as we go through which one, Raj. Uh, will we have updates as to how much money we have pledged to give? And I think that's a collective we as a church. Yeah, answer is yes. Awesome. Uh, someone's asked, given uh, we talked about the Thanksgiving projects, there were kind of three things, um, our, our children's pastor, our DA costs, our MTS startup. Um, someone's asked, I want to give to one of those that might be struggling, so how can I know which one's behind that I can give to? Yeah, thank you. I, look, at a point in time, again, we will you know, just report on how that's going. I think on Sunday I said, look, can everyone take two weeks prayerfully to consider how the Lord's working for them? Um, however, the other thing one could do in this area is just to give to that fourth general category because the whole idea of that um, is exactly for this sort of you know, person or they all sound good, I'm not sure which one to do. And that fourth one is really giving our parish council just for discretion to say, you know, two and three are doing okay, one we need a bit more in, and so that's where it gets channeled. Or there might be another opportunity or need that comes along that mm. we currently don't. I've got nothing in mind at the moment, but... You know, things are constantly changing in our world. So that would be another way, you know, you can go. So two ways forward. One is to wait till we provide an interim kind of, you know, update, um, which we won't be able to do for a few weeks. Uh, and then the other way is to put it in number four and it will get allocated where there's most need. Great. Uh, are any of those three tax deductible? No, none of those are tax deductible. Um, there are very limited opportunities for giving to be churches to be tax deductible in Australia. Mm, yeah. um, there are one or two that we're working on behind the scenes at the moment, but we're, we're, we're a fair way from those becoming reality. Yeah, sure. And if we only pledge to one of those things, do we not get updates on how the others are going? Um, we, we, in terms of how we go as a church St Paul's, we will you know, make that known. The, the letters I was alluding to earlier, I would love to, to write to those who are particularly indicating the pledges on an ongoing basis to help them in their journey in growing mm. in generosity. Yeah. yeah, helpful. Yeah, great. All right, we'll keep moving. Someone's asked, do you think the church should be tax exempt? Um, great question. Slightly tangential to our topic, but very happy just to offer some reflections. Um do I think the church should be tax exempt? Well, partly that depends on which one you're... You know, the definition of that is can be lots and lots of different things. Mm. Um, do I think government should show favour to churches in some form? Absolutely. Yeah, tell us about that. Because not everyone would, would agree. Not I'm everyone sure. would agree, I'm yeah. sure. I think even in the government's terms, and I've talked to lots of politicians over the years there is an incredible recognition for the good that churches do. Mm. Um, Anglicare is one of the largest social welfare organisations in the country. Yeah. Salvation Army, very well known. Um, now, our goal in doing that is is we want to show the love of Jesus to people, mm. absolutely. But there is a huge, huge overlap with also what the government is trying to do. Yeah. And the, the care we have for the disadvantage for the or we operate on a not-for-profit basis. Um, and someone said to me a few years back, you know, if, if all of the private, usually religious-based good disappeared, it would overwhelm the government system. Absolutely, yeah. And so do I think there should be some... For, absolutely. Mm. And I also think when you... Not even agrees with this, but... Anyway, you asked me the question. That's right, this is the extras. Go um, this is the extras. Go so you think, yeah. Um, just historically in our country, the place of 
the Bible is just extraordinary. Yeah. You know, it's, it's everywhere in our society, despite the current attempts to get rid of it. Um, and um, um, to uphold that in our society is a, is a huge thing. Mm. And, and we, pro- we provide comfort for people in all kinds of situations. And, um, so I think there's just so much good in our society. I think there should be some favour shown, and there is. Yeah. And I think the fact that there is shows you that, I mean, that's how it works. That yeah. It's in the government's, you know, even from a worldly perspective, it's in our government's interest to encourage and promote the work of not-for-profits, including churches. Yeah. Because if we collapsed, the government would be overwhelmed. So the fact that, that you know, I don't think the government does that because they just really like us. I, mean, I hope that's true at some level, but, you know, it's also about the bottom line, that we, we do good and that is recognised and that's worth continuing to fight for is something we're able to do. I, I had a a guy who was a mayor of a local council say to me a few years ago Raj, why is it the churches often think of themselves as outside of a local community? Yeah. Fascinating. Mm. His perception was churches were monasteries. <laughs> monasteries. Yeah. And he just said, I, I just don't get why that is. Mm. Um, now, the way in America, the way that churches are shown some favour is giving to churches as tax deductible. In Australia, the way that works out is fringe benefits, tax exemptions. Yeah. Um, which, so all of that is incredibly useful. There's other mm. things as well, but um, now, there's some areas, I think I want to talk to you about another time I can, there's some areas I, I do have more questions about, the profit-making ventures side of things. Yeah. But but even then, they are feeding back into not-for-profit enterprises. Mm. And so we, in our country, of course, we get we get taxed on what we make. If there's an organisation that's not-for-profit, well, by definition, they're... Anyway, sorry, yeah. that might be a longer answer ramblings than you were hoping. No, that's helpful, yeah. No, that's good. Alright, we've got two to go. Big one, second last one, and then quick one to finish. So, big one. Uh, someone says, so, to live in this area as a young family, both parents work full-time to pay the monthly mortgage, are you saying we should sell our houses and give the money to the church? Is that what you were saying, Rush? Look, I don't think I was saying that. However, um, where, where this question came up, and we did tackle it live on Sunday as well, I I want to say, and most people want me to say, we shouldn't. And I, I don't want to do that. Why not? Because for some people it might mean that. Mm. The Lord, you know, Jesus talking to the rich person, um, sell all of your possessions and go and... Maybe that's what the Bible says, certainly in a situation. Maybe yeah. that's... Maybe some of us should think more about you know, maybe we don't need six investment properties or mm. whatever. Or maybe this is a very expensive area to live. So I don't want to preclude the work of God yeah. by His Spirit in someone's heart in these areas. Um, yeah, so, you know, a number of people said to me that that was a hard answer, but mm. helpful. Yeah. And so on the extras, I repeat it for the benefit of others. Um we do, we are locked into, you know, it's the great American dream, it's the great Australian dream. Yeah. Um, why is that? Is it good? How do we be generous in that environment? Totally. How yeah. do we, what does it mean to be a conduit for God's blessing? Mm. So I just, I'm quite happy to let those questions work away in people's hearts. Yeah. Yeah. 
I think that's, that's absolutely right, yeah. I don't want to mandate anything either. I want to ask questions. If, if you are living in an area where the house you're in, everything else going on, the income you have, if that setup means there's nothing left over to give, I think that's a problem. Yeah. What, do you do, what are you going to do about that? I don't think you can just let that continue. Um, I mean, there's all sorts of other things that go along with that as well. Like, if like families stretch so that um, both parents working full-time and above and beyond full-time and having families constrained and not spending much time together, is that okay? Maybe there's good in that, but I think we've got to think about those kinds of things. Yeah, there are questions I want us to ask too. The, the other thing to say, Jack, and I've got the written form of a question today but I didn't have on Sunday in front of me and I'm just struck by the words at the end of there and give the money to the church and I think what the Bible teaches us is not necessarily about the church it's about the gospel moving forward yeah. and there's the needy and you know in fact the collection which we 1 Corinthians talks about it was a collection for the needy mm. um, so yeah I just think that's important to say because for some churches on the world scene there is a they are becoming rich, but this is about being God's conduit in the world, yeah. which is not limited to church. Um, I also think, just to balance that up, that people should be supporting their churches. Mm. As as really, it's not about the church building up its balance sheet, but it's about freeing people up, like you and I and other people, to serve, to teach, to yeah, yeah. helpful. Last one, quickly. Any book or article recommendations on giving generously as someone who's looking to give regularly for the first time? Yeah, I I think a great entry-level book is the one I alluded to on Sunday called The Treasure Principle by Randy Alcorn. Mm. Um, and that's just structured around six principles and and it's actually fascinating to read Andy Alcorn's story himself that he, does, he hasn't just written a book. He's living in extraordinary ways yeah. according to those principles. And they're all quite biblically based. They're challenging. There's one or two I might express differently or you might express differently, but they're provocative. There's another book at a far more detailed level, um, Neither Riches Nor Poverty by Craig Blomberg. That's another one. Mm. That's, that's longer, more technical. But if people are wanting to get into that, I would highly recommend that too. Yeah, nice. A couple of recommendations for you there. We'd, we'd commend them to you. Thank you for your questions. It's been wonderful for us to wrestle through some really deep practical issues, but trying to bring those principles from the Bible to what we actually do in life. That's that's what we're doing. That's what we're always keen to do. Raj, heading towards Sunday coming up, what are we looking at? Yeah, so this week, so week five of Vision Month, week five of six, I know, anyway. <laughs> um, so we're looking at God's promises and, and being part of God's promises. And I just find that really interesting. You know, we, we said at the, just acknowledge at the start, Jack, the invasion of Russia into Ukraine mm-hmm. in the last few days. Um, and and I, I just find it fascinating. I mean, we're sitting here on Friday, the day that COVID restrictions have eased somewhat again. Yeah. And I just, you know, so at the same time, there's hope in one area. You see this war that's breaking out, a mm-hmm. serious war. And it just prompts the question about promises and where to cling to for hope. Yeah. So we're going to go into Genesis 12, some of the greatest promises made in the Bible, that the rest of the Bible is really, in many ways, the story of those promises coming to fruition. Um, and we're going to reflect on those and how we fit into those and how we can be part of continuing those to other people. That sounds awesome. Looking forward to it. And we'll see you all there.
See you, everyone. Right. Bye for now.